Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Brown Chad shares his long and arduous road in investment banking to make it to a reputable firm from two nightmare boutiques. We explore his journey straight from India to an MBA program, Culture Shock, the perils of working at very small investment banks with toxic culture, as well as what he did when the people closest to him began to doubt his path. Enjoy. All right, Brown, Chad, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Sure, thank you. Appreciate it, Patrick. Great. So it would be great if you could give uh, the listeners a quick summary of your background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, born and raised in India, uh, went to an Irish Catholic school, uh, you know, pretty conservative over there. I come from uh, a humble background. Uh, I did hear some of the other podcasts, so, you know, I don't think uh, I'm on any of the extreme spectrums per se that, like, I had a you know, comfortable background growing up and like all the connections at the same time, I wasn't, uh, you know, like struggling for every meal. So I think uh, come from like a middle class family, uh, didn't know anything about investment banking or really in life in general. I just knew that, you know, it's, you just keep working hard and uh, uh, go and become more successful. And so, yeah, so after- uh, Where in India? School, Where in India were you, were you born? New, yeah, New Delhi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gurgaon, yeah. And uh, the goal was just to be like, you know, successful, didn't really know like, you know, what success meant or how to achieve that. Investment banking, finance wasn't even on the radar. Uh, in, in India, like engineering is a big thing. So the path is you go to an engineering school, which, you know, is like, uh, which everybody like almost, you know, is like a standard uh, way for everybody in India, I guess. Right. And so did went to an engineering school, got that uh, out of the way. Uh, didn't really know what's next. I think when I graduated, it was 2009. So uh, the peak of recession in the U.S. wasn't a big recession in India, but uh, job opportunities were still uh, not a lot. And a lot of the employers took a good uh, you know, stab at that situation and uh, really like offered low salaries and stuff. So yeah. I ended up at a small shop uh, in India. I worked there for about a year. Uh, got an opportunity to work with uh, in India. Uh, where I went in an audit support practice. So for me, I was just happy that a big firm, uh, which is a consulting firm, uh, you know, has its door opens for people like myself. So went over there, worked in audit practice for about three and a half years. Uh, completely hated it. It was uh, 
not something that I wanted to do, but that was good because I realized that that's not something I want to do. You didn't love um, audit. You didn't love audit. Come on, man. <laughs> I know, right? Like surprise. Some people um, like it. Some people like it. They have the right personality for it, and they can grind. But um, well, busy season and all I, that I was, or is that I'm thinking tax? I'm, but did you guys have like busy seasons and stuff like that, or am I thinking my buddy? You know, tax? you're right. Like there, yeah, you're right. Like there are busy seasons uh, and such. But I really wasn't in the core audit practice because Got I'm it. not a CPA, CFA, Got and it. all that. I did engineering, so I did audit support. Mm. Um, and I, it'll get boring from there. So yeah, so. Um, but yeah, like so, I did that. Um, I was trying really hard to like, I, you know, I think I, I'm like an okay student per se, like not a great test taker or whatever. But uh, uh, got really low scores on my GMAT initially. Uh, just to give you a better perspective, out of 800, I was in the 400 ranges wow. when I got started off. It was really <laughs> low. Uh, uh, but I think the one thing that brought me is like my dad, a uh, big support for me. Like, you know, he always encouraged me and gave me guidance and such. And uh, mm-hmm. I uh, I think studied for the GMAT. I took it like four times, uh, kept, you know, progressing. And gradually, I think I got a 650 uh, at the end, like, you know, when I was just finally done with everything. Yeah. And then I applied to business schools uh, with that score. Uh, was the was the struggle the more the math or the or the verbal side for you? Just curiosity. I think for verbal for me, yeah, it's, that's a great question. Verbal for me, uh, even though I went to an Irish Catholic school and all that, but just uh, a lot of situations uh, in the GMAT are very unique to the U.S. Mm. So for me, just to get a perspective of what it means, oh, there's a bus goes from Washington D.C. to New York and one tire, you know, bursts or something, and like so critical reasoning question would be like oh so what happens with the passengers that have like no idea like what, what's going on or what you're talking about so so it was it wasn't like culture that, like, it had cultural bias inherent in the questions and it kind of threw you off I would say so. yeah oh that's interesting yeah okay that's yeah, cool no, definitely um so yeah but well it's like, not it's know, not cool it's but it's interesting i'll say it's not cool but okay <laughs> so okay so you yeah so and- you you managed to get it up to a respectable score and you applied with the 650 so okay so you um yeah yeah what happened so i applied to a bunch of schools and uh, i got waitlisted in, in rochester and uh, i applied to bu and then uh, one of the fairs in india like mba's fairs uh, i came across johns hopkins and i didn't really know much about it except that i've heard it on like a couple of like sitcoms, uh, Archer, where like he, you know, went to Hopkins to play lacrosse in a game and stuff like that. So I knew it's kind of cool, yeah. but I really didn't understand the gravity of like how good or bad the school is. I just knew it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I had a mentor in India, uh, one of my dad's good friends, whose kids went to really good schools in the U.S. and U.K. and work and whatnot. So he was guiding me. I guess he also didn't know much about Hopkins himself, but when I told him, he's like, son, don't worry about it. It's like these schools just like, you know, interview people just so that they can have uh, the check mark where they say, oh, we interviewed like 1,000 people and we 1,000 students and picked two out of them. So he's like, don't, don't, don't stress, <laughs> don't waste your time on Hopkins and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I just kept going on. And I think because Hopkins is, was still coming up or is still coming up, uh, I, I genuinely feel I got lucky and uh, I got a full ride and they like me, they like my essays and all that good stuff. Um, you nice. know, and... Uh, uh, I flew to the States and uh, I think that was the inflection point for me because my mentor in India did mention that the only thing you really want to do when you go there is investment banking. And, uh, you know, like in your dad's friends and stuff, you call them uncle. So like I, I said, like, but uncle, I have no idea about finance. Like I've <laughs> never seen like, you know, what accounting means and all that. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, don't worry about it. You learn it in business school. 
uh, and you'll hear this later. I didn't do anything in business school, but uh, but yeah, like uh, you know, that's that's you really don't you I, really don't learn it. I mean, you need to be you I need to don't. know you need to know it like going in, right? Because recruiting happens right. so fast. But anyways, go right. ahead. Yeah, yeah, and so um, so you know, I moved to uh, to the U.S. and uh, moving to the U.S. was great. Like, I moved from a big city in India to a modest-sized city in the U.S. So I wasn't really excited about that aspect. I really wanted to be in like New York or. Right. Chicago or like some like exciting city, but it is what it is. I was really excited about the school and the brand name because in India, like nobody really cares about, um, you know, the ranking per se. They, they care about like if they've heard the name of the school. Right. And so for my parents, it was a great big deal. Like, honestly, a lot of people wouldn't have even heard about Wharton. You right. know, they they hear about like Yale and Stanford. They'd be more excited if you tell them that I went to business school in Yale right. than Wharton. Right, because the and brand. So, yeah, I get it. So, you know, I get it. Right. Right, and so when people like heard like Hopkins, especially like my dad's friend circle and like other people who know about schools and repetition such, but like not you know a lot about business school and such, so they were like, "Wow, like that's great and all that," and I was really happy about that that I could make my parents proud. So at this stage, uh, at this stage yeah. of your life, you at this stage of your life, you graduated undergrad. You went and did just a quick yep. summary. You went and did some years in audit. Really didn't like it. Started applying for the yep. GMAT. Your dad was really supportive, and you felt yep. like. Uh, you still were kind of you really wanted to please your parents right like you still um yeah. that was important to you right because they had been so supportive growing up yeah. and stuff like that so and you had this mentor which was great yeah. um okay yeah. so so uh, you you move to you move stateside and a uh, little culture shock or what was it like no absolutely 100 percent. i'd been to the u.s once before so mm-hmm. like i i had seen a little bit uh, but that was only for a vacation mm-hmm. uh when i moved here this was complete culture shock uh for your um I guess American audience that probably might not know a lot about the Indian background. You always continue continue to live with your parents throughout your life. You never move out. Even when you get married, uh, you you bring your plus one with you to your parents' place where you're living. So yeah. uh, the fact that I had my own place and like I could do whatever I want and like you know all that stuff was definitely a great freedom. My parents were pretty liberal or are pretty liberal, mm-hmm. so I never really faced that problem. But you know, it's a different experience where you're just living by yourself with one roommate and like it's a great situation. You do whatever you want to do and, yeah. uh, you know, treat the, treat your life the way you want to do. Uh, so that, 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 was, that was a cultural, I guess, shock or like experience that I had and I really enjoyed it. Uh, what I did not factor in uh, was the fact that uh, I was I was assuming too much of myself. I thought, oh my God, like, you know, I worked with in India and now I'm at Johns Hopkins and like, you know, uh, the bulge bracket banks and McKinsey and BNBCG BCG would like die to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where... <laughs> so you had a, I, I you, couldn't, uh-huh. you had a false perspective on where you stood in the hierarchy of, uh, banking yeah. candidates. I get it. Okay. <laughs> you hit, you yeah, hadn't right. hit, had you not exactly. found wall street Oasis yet to kind of knock you I back know, into right? place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only, right. Yeah. Uh, no. So like my first, year essentially uh, flew by like and I didn't even realize what had, what just happened it was uh, so fast and yeah. like business school like programs are just fast by itself and then meeting so many people and you know it's, it's a lot going on I wouldn't say I was a party boy or whatever but at the same time I was definitely not studying oh you um, were first time away from home bl- like having a blast yeah for sure right. I, I don't blame you I, I know, partied right? a lot in, in yeah. Wharton. <laughs> so okay so go ahead right. so you uh you're yeah. having a good time you're away from home and then yeah it's kind of like you blink and it's over the first yeah, year like, right right exactly and then um 
um, yeah, like right around January, we have like this, you know, exchange program of sorts where they send you overseas to like, you know, work on a project and all that. So that was, I went to Peru, again, had a great time. And by February, when I came back, it was way too late to get any kind of internships or jobs. Right. And uh, here I was thinking McKinsey, Bain, BCG, like they're like dying to like hire me. And then I realized not only are they not interested, like it's also... Uh, I've passed all, you know, the deadlines. Like, this was which are like way back in like September, October, November. This was uh, in the second so, year. This is in the second year you did the Peru first thing. Year. First year, okay. So you went first on this trip. Year, yeah. You're having a blast. You come back and you're like, oh, whoops! I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not gonna have a summer internship or a good right. summer internship to set me up. Okay. Exactly. So yeah, wasn't there career you know, services? Just, isn't there anybody from career services? There was nobody telling you kind of any of this before you went in. You know. Yeah, like I really like my career services, the group, the people are really nice, but I think, and I gave them this feedback too, like you guys have to tell students that, you know, what is the placement process, you know, like I get it, a lot of students do understand this, but especially coming from overseas, I had no, no idea, idea. Yeah. that like, you know, yeah, and like, again, it's not up to anybody else, I think just being Indian, I'm always hard on myself that it's my fault that I've, you know, I don't know my stuff, and uh, I do agree, like the career service could have done a better job. I just educating us more of what the timelines are, what the processes are, what the deadlines are. And I think because the school is still coming up, yeah. uh, they are still streamlining those things. They're more focused on like building employer relationships and all right. that good stuff than like, uh, you know, this part of it. But yeah, uh, so so that was that. So what did uh, it feel like you got back and you're like, uh-oh, what, what am I doing? And what, what was your, yeah. what did you do when you got back yeah. to campus? And how did you start your search and try to come, some, come up with something? Yeah. So I guess even when I got back, like that wasn't, I wasn't still panicking. I started panicking when uh, I saw my classmates had really good internships and such. Yeah. And I didn't. And because, you know, obviously nobody, like, I guess I didn't really realize I was naive as, as well as like nobody shares what the secret sauce is or if they were interviewing at other places for internships and such. So they all did whatever they had to do. Uh, but like for the really bright students like us, like myself, who think, you know, we're like too good for the world, uh, we were left nowhere. And so... Uh, when I saw my classmates, you know, having these good internships and leaving in another month and talking about all that, that's when I started to panic. And uh, I think that's the time when my career service group, like they told me you should use LinkedIn and, you know, the basic stuff that they tell you. Yeah. And uh, that, Patrick, I think uh, if there's one thing that I stress uh, on this podcast is, is the uh, the benefit that I, you know, got from LinkedIn. Like all my job. Mm-hmm my internships, my connections, everything till date, even my current job uh, is also uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, so essentially uh, I knew I had a consulting background before, so I could leverage that. I just started reaching out to everybody, uh, random people on LinkedIn. If I thought their profile looked important enough, I just dropped them a text message. And I think uh, that day and till day today, like I still use LinkedIn very uh, frequently and it really does help me till date. And, um, you know, like I learned at the time that initially I was very, I guess, non-American slash Indian in my approach where I'd write like a three paragraph introduction <laughs> stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, yeah. dear sir, like move from India, engineering, blah, blah, blah. And right. uh, love to like talk to you. And then uh, I think in about like four, five, six months, uh, I'd already start getting a lot of responses, feedback, uh, phone calls. And uh, I'd also filtered my way of writing LinkedIn messages. And, you know, from like three paragraphs, it became three lines. I'm like, really like your background. I'd love to talk to you, introduce myself. And, um, yeah. you know, I just used to sign off with my American name. So Short and sweet. So, yeah, so yeah. That's, 
<laughs> Jordan Sweet. Yeah, and that's yeah. another thing I'd love to talk about. Uh, but uh, anyway, like, so that's that. And, uh, you know, for good or for bad, this one gentleman who had a small consulting shop in Virginia, like, you know, said, I really admire you reaching out. We don't have anything open, uh, but I'll keep you in mind. And then I asked him, I'm like, I'd love to meet you and just like, uh, you know, talk to you in person. And I think that's where uh, I know that like when I meet people in person, like I have, I, or I, at least I can like have a lasting impression on somebody. And mm -hmm. I just asked him for a chance to meet. And uh, he said, okay, fine, why not? And uh, one thing led to another. And uh, one month into the summer, I got an internship. And okay. I guess they liked me enough that even after the internship, they kept me part-time till okay. the time I graduated. And that like helped me like pay for my rent and everything else. And I was really yeah, happy. I was supposed to ask for a full ride. Um, it was a full ride. Were they covering like rent and all that stuff? Or how did you, how were you expecting? No, I think they do it now. They, they cover that stuff. They have like eight positions or something where they like cover your rent and everything. But uh, it was just like uh, Tuition. everything related to school. Yeah. Uh, not your books and stuff, but like even my trip like to Peru was included in, uh, oh, cool. The tuition and such. So, cool. so yeah, so that happened uh, for my summer internship. Uh, they really paid me uh, well. Uh, I think uh, they were trying to gauge like how much they pay me, and they asked me to connect them to the career services. I told the career services at least ask for twenty dollars because I thought like fifteen would be the standard. And uh, they they actually replied to the career services like no twenty seems low. We'll we'll pay forty. And I was just like, oh my god, like, <laughs> this is magical. And, and you gotta keep in mind that. You know, being from India, like yeah. I'm converting like every dollar into Indian rupee, which right. is a lot. Right. <laughs> so you're like, I'm so rich. I'm, like, I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. And you know, I'm living in this like really like affordable uh, apartment building in Baltimore in the like really like a shady neighborhood. Yeah. So you know, like it's uh, for every dollar for me was like great, uh, and I'm like yes, like you know, bingo. Yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely interesting, um, and you know they've been like super nice. My experience with them was really nice, but it was just a consulting practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I, at the same time, I did start reaching out to people proactively for my full time job uh, opportunities. What time? What type and of work were you I, doing at the consulting mm -hmm. shop? What type of stuff were you doing? Was it uh, transferable? Compliance work, like <laughs> compliance audit checks, uh, stuff like that. Nothing. Oh, uh, so somewhat related to what you thought. somewhat related to what you did before. Somewhat, yeah, but it wasn't by design. It was just, it just happened that it was something similar to that, okay. but it wasn't that they knew that, oh, this guy does this, so we can exactly leverage him for the so, same thing. So tell me when you realized, like, when you didn't realize that you got back from that trip and all your classmates started having all these great internships, like the, the, the top consulting firms and the banks, you didn't realize till then that the recruiting had already happened? Or, like... yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah, so, like when it was happening, yeah. like there was, I think you're, you were probably just so like in party mode and having fun, <laughs> like being away. Like, yeah. is that what it was? Do you think, or what do you, what do you think? It was just, it, I know career service didn't say anything, but like, weren't there signs like Goldman coming on campus or whatever, or Jeffrey's coming on campus or anything like that or no? Yeah. So like Hopkins is a non-target school, at least a business school, the undergrad, like Goldman Sachs, Jeffrey, everybody comes there, but like the business school, nobody comes there. Yeah. And also the business school is about like, I think five, six miles away from the main campus and okay. it's in the downtown district of Baltimore. So it's pretty much like nobody really comes to your school per se. Yeah. Um, and as far as I remember, Patrick, I don't think anybody came to campus, at least when I was, uh, uh got it. And got it. My so bad. It was, it was more, it was more on you then. It was more on you like yes, to get it 100%. done. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, yeah. So, 
so you do the consulting yeah. internship. You're getting mm-hmm. paid a you're you're a rich mm-hmm. man getting paid forty bucks an hour. You're feeling amazing yep. about that. But then you're like, this is you know it'd be great if I can lever you know lever up somehow you know get yeah. get even a better job. So yeah. tell me how you went into that second year yeah. with what mindset and how are you how did you approach it? So yeah, like so during my summer internship, I had a lot of free time um, I, at my job, and this is interesting because at my job I spent a significant part of my uh, day just reaching out to people on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, that's when I also started crafting my story, my identity, who I am. And so my name is, but like, uh, in, in, in like my business school, they recommended that I have it something more American. So it's easier for people to remember and relate and talk to. Yeah. And Patrick, this is really interesting because I've been, you know, thinking about it, like ever since I changed my name and not changed my name, mm-hmm. uh, even in class, uh, you know, professors won't call out on you because they want to be respectful towards you and they won't say, uh, uh, because it's hard, and they right. probably say like Sam or Chad or yeah. whatever else. <laughs> and so, you know, those those people would get like, more participation points uh, than you, and right. so you lose out over there. Similarly, like that's what I thought about it, and this is just my own thought process. That when you go and sit for an interview in a super day at a bank, and you have like Sam and Chad and Patrick and you know like Jesse yeah. and Jessica and and. Ron- Chances are when they're discussing about all the candidates, yeah. just out of respect, you know, they won't be like, oh, yeah, so I really like Patrick, I like, I really, really like Sam. And, you know, like when it comes about they'll keep it minimal or, you know, they won't really see our name a lot. And that's just my own assumption. I may be completely wrong. I think I think um, it just you know, makes, I think just trying to align yourself with the culture more makes people more comfortable. That's what I think it is. I don't think it's right. so much the, the saying the name. There's probably a little bit of that. You're probably right, but I think it's more right. just aligning. And I think, yeah, I think it's it's right. it's a smart move. I think for international students right. that have yeah. names that are like just to yeah. make it easier on the hiring managers. It, I mean, it's also extremely douchey. Like this is the douchiest thing you can do. Like if I ever do, were to tell my Indian friends that that's my uh, American name that I you you know use, they'll be like, oh my god, you're that's just so horrible. Like because that's like. I, I don't know. It's just culturally like not acceptable that like you know you have like an American name. As a matter right. of fact, before I moved to the U.S., one of my friends she went to Stanford. She gave me an example about this guy, uh, like who changed his name, like who's from India. He even like colored his hair, like something, <laughs> and and he did and he did get into a bus bracket by the end of the day. And I always thought of her. I'm like Trisha, you know, like that guy, like that's interesting. Like tell me more. Like what else did he do? So <laughs> you're uh, like I'll be I'll be a douche for the job. You're like I'll, I don't care. Like I know. yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, fair, right. fair uh, enough. But anyway, so moving on, like, uh, yeah, like I reached out to a bunch of people. I didn't know anything about M&A, investment banking, buy side, sell side. Uh, I, the only thing I knew is like I, I love to talk to people. I love networking. And I, I think I'm natural at it. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to so many people. I created like a contact sheet and like, you know, kept a tab of everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I spoke to somebody, I you know, I asked them, what do you do for fun? What do you do on the weekends? And they're like, oh, yeah, I go for hiking with my wife and with my, you know, like 10 year old son. And I made notes on those things. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I sent thank you emails, I did say, Oh, hi, hope, you know, your daughter and you did have a good time on the trek or whatever. And I just try to keep that. And Smart. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, a, a partner from McKinsey and I like became very close like that. And he actually sent me a picture of his daughter uh, who was born, I think a few months after he and I got connected and, you know, like uh, I built a strong relationship and that really, gave me a boost to like connect with more people, talk to more people on LinkedIn and just like learn about the work. And that's also when I learned that's, about- Can M&A I just stop you right there? That's a really important point that I think I don't want to gloss over for listeners is like, 
that is that extra little touch, that extra little something of, you know, being organized enough to take the notes and understand and keep, and I don't, you know, personally, I don't even do this enough. I think it's really, really smart. And I think it can, yeah. it, when you're really struggling to kind of get in and get your foot in the door, having those extra little personal connections, really developing not just so many, a ton of kind of artificial quick connections, um, but at, at more meaningful ones, I think can get you a lot further. But anyways, continue, sorry for that little aside. Yeah, no, I I mean, I absolutely, I can't agree, I couldn't agree more. Even with you, Patrick, I don't, again, like, you know, when you and I spoke a couple of days back, mm-hmm. I said that when you and I spoke about a year ago, there were some things that you told me, I don't think I made notes, but like, I do remember it, but yeah. maybe I did. Uh, you know, about your move from like Boston or something to yep. where you are right now and all that good stuff. So. I do feel like if you really like and enjoy speaking with somebody, like, and if you can make notes about them, it, it really goes a long way just to like solidify that relationship. And I have so many more examples of like other partners at other firms, you know, who are like great people by themselves, but I also like got to know about their family a little bit through them. And I think that really did like, you know, um, help me form a great relationship with those people. For sure. Uh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so you know, basically through all these phone calls, I asked them, so what do you do for your job? And they're like, well, I'm on the buy side and some people I'm on the sell side and I'm just making notes uh, in my apartment <laughs> when they're saying all these things, because I don't know anything about buy side and sell side. Right. And, uh, you know, and I guess like I should have done more homework and I, you know, I, I don't think like I'm complacent, but at the same time, uh, I didn't know anything. And I, maybe some research would have also helped of what investment banking entails and all that good stuff. But, um, uh, I had enough information that when I talk to more people, like I can talk to them or I can relate to them and I can ask them somewhat more educated questions right. uh, about investment banking or M&A. And my goal after the time when I graduated after summer internship, you know, switched completely to uh, breaking into M&A consulting. Because for me, I thought that's achievable. Uh, that's a great job. And it pays really well after business school. Yeah. And so... I completely shift gears from like consulting and investment banking to M&A consulting. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I started reaching out to all the big four. Uh, having come from a big four myself from before, uh, you know, I really leveraged that to talk to more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, on the side, I was also networking extensively with investment bankers. And uh, first year of my business school, uh, I was the vice president for the student body. Yep. And the second year of the business school, I created an organization by itself called the Investment Banking Association for Johns Hopkins Kerry Business School. And I got it approved by the school and all that good stuff. Great. I created a um, website on Wix, and I didn't really do it. Like I had, I like hired, not hired, like I recruited some more students from the finance program, like especially some students who came from China and really are really good. Um, with like websites and such yeah. and uh, they helped me like build a website uh, where I put myself and this is another very interesting part so I put myself as the president and one of my classmates um, white guy I think from Colorado uh, <laughs> I put his picture and I asked him to be the co-president with me and he also wanted to break into banking and I said I need a token white guy <laughs> on my website <laughs> so, that, so that when I'm reaching out to people it's not like oh it's an international or, you know, it's like an Indian and Chinese, so uh, funny. you know, like a community kind of thing that's trying to reach out. I need like a white guy and I need like a guy to like come on the phone with me and talk to people. He was probably happy to do it. I mean, he's trying to break in too. So he's probably happy to put his name out there on that. Yeah, website. no, absolutely. Yeah. 
and he okay. was he's a nice he's a good friend and he's a great guy and uh, you know he was trying to break in and it kind of worked out for him because that's a platform ready for him to like just come on board and start doing this thing cool um yeah and so then what i realized is like i can't move i can't like travel from like baltimore to new york every other weekend and mm-hmm. like you know or like other places around uh, the country and meet people for coffee and being in Baltimore you can only meet so many people so Stephen Nicholas is a big bank in Baltimore so I connected with a few people over there um, and I still have very great connections or good, very strong connections with one person who's a director there so I feel really good about that he's kind of a mentor but uh, what I started doing Patrick is instead of going to other places I started inviting people to school and that helped me twofold a like I could still do that internship job that I was doing and making some money over there uh, at the same time, attend school and not skip uh, classes, and then not most importantly for me at that point in time, not spend money on like you know train tickets or bus tickets to New York and like. What do you mean? What do you mean you and... invited people to school? Oh, through like to, to do a talk or something? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so I inv- through I the association, created event, you, know, <laughs> you created an event and an yeah, association yeah. just to get people to come yeah. to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, not only that, like I got like good quality paper on my own dime, and I printed out over there, like you know, Mr. X Y Z. We cordially would want to invite you to Johns Hopkins, Gary Business School's Investment Banking Association. Like making it sound like making so that official. person feel as important as yeah, and official. Yeah. And um, you know, like a lot of times there was a lot of pushback from the school. I'm like, nope. I'm a student. I need to do this. Do this. And like you know, it, it's a lot of. Uh, carrying forward I guess and so uh, or like I guess you know uh, pulling the weight of the entire team so that the school could do this and like show them strength and all that stuff so I did that and that really helped me because uh, a lot of people do want to come to like a good you know name school um, Mm -hmm. and like talk and so I started focusing more on investment bankers in the healthcare space or Mm. MNA consultants in the healthcare space because uh, chances are that an industrial MNA uh, you know, investment banker wouldn't have that much of interest coming to Hopkins, but somebody from uh, the healthcare sector would be more interested in coming to Johns Good Hopkins point. because you know they can put them on the LinkedIn and stuff like that. Uh, oh yeah, I went to Johns Hopkins as a speaker, and right. you know they and like people do all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> that's smart. Um, <laughs> so that's what I did, mm-hmm. and uh, sure enough, I did get a lot of traction. And I guess when. You know, you represent the school brand name was all I had, Patrick. You know, I didn't have yeah. anything else that would that I could really leverage uh, except the school name. And so I really did leverage it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like so, I invited a bunch of people. It's a lot of traction. How many leverage. how many bankers did you actually get to come speak over the? Uh, say well, I think I got more M and A consulting uh, people, like from the big four, especially. But bankers, I think I must have had about like six or seven. Wow. Really uh, over the entire yeah uh over the entire course of a and year they would come and to speak to, to the association they would just come speak to the association itself so i am the association like i know but like we, how many people would show up to these oh, yeah. talks you know like how did you oh, get yeah, people to show up <laughs> yeah. yeah like i would be honest with them i tell them that there was 15 to 20 like targeted students who want to be in investment banking so i'd i'd craft it in a different way i wouldn't say that it's a you know, 100 people event and you're like the top of the world. I, I would say that it's a 15, 20 people event, but we've carefully picked out a selected students uh, right. who are really interested and, you know, who will have educated questions that we want to keep it more one-on-one. And I rebranded the entire thing. I started calling it coffee and cookies meet or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. just so that it's not as stiff because some people, some bankers came up in a suit and all that stuff with like, you know, like yeah. actual material to like show and walk us through 
uh, M&T Bank, Stiefel, and a lot of like boutique banks from DC and the area uh, came along. That's and great. then sometimes, Patrick, I didn't even call these people for like my events. If there were any other like healthcare conferences happening uh, through some other club, I'd ask the other conference members who were pretty much my classmates that, hey, do you guys have any spots available? I have two great speakers that I think would be a great addition to your conference. And they're like, yeah, let me know who. And then I would go out on LinkedIn and anywhere else and reach out to all these people and say, hey, we have this conference happening. Would you like to come? We'd love to have cool. you. Your background is great and all that good stuff. And whoever too would respond or like conversations mature, I'd put, uh, put those people in touch with them and be the liaison, the point of contact for them when they like land and when they get the taxis and come and all that stuff. So, okay. And, uh, so they, you basically, that, so, okay. So you're, mm -hmm. you're getting these contacts, you're bringing them to campus for your networking coffee chats mm -hmm. and uh, instead right. of having to keep traveling to New York. And so did, had you traveled to New York? Had you tried that? And it just, it was just getting Absolutely. too much. It, tell me. Oh, no, I did. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, in New York, I did travel a, a few times, uh, not, not very often, but yeah. uh, I think I met like I've most more often than not, like I'd met like associates and analysts from Hopkins undergrad who had gone to like JP Morgan or like other bulge bracket banks. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were really nice to talk to, but it's really hard to get hold of bankers in New York. And I think my success rate in New York was pretty much with people that I'd already spoken with before excuse me, during the summer. And then I yeah. reached out to them like, Hey, I'm traveling to New York, you know, on Thursday and Friday, yeah, I have coffee with you. And uh, you know, that's, that's how there is one senior MD um, who's a, a top shop guy at uh, a bulge bracket and like he always makes time for people from Hopkins and he is from Hopkins so uh, I leverage that every time I go to New York and talk to him but uh, yeah like when I'd gone to New York you know living with a friend like I think about an hour and a half outside the city uh, you know I traveled in a you know, the, uh, Greyhound bus from Baltimore to New York, like the ten twenty dollar bus, and yeah. uh, you know they wear a suit and like take the train and like come in. I guess everybody does that same grind, but uh, that was just my experience. And then I have like five people in one day, and like pretending to have the fifth coffee as if it's my fourth <laughs> coffee with somebody. You're like shaking <laughs> with all uh, the caffeine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I need a decaf. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, I, I, I don't really have anything strong to like talk about like in my new york experience it was just okay. like good meeting people and uh, putting a face to a name for everybody that i've spoken with especially the guy from mckenzie that i've spoken with because the mckenzie offices is the black rock building uh so mm -hmm. that was very exciting for me just to be there and see that i guess uh and not being from new york or you know being from baltimore so that was that was interesting but uh long story short patrick you know just a lot of outreach a lot of good connections and uh, as things turn out, I graduated. Uh, I got an uh, opportunity to interview with the uh, M&A consulting practice in the healthcare uh, group mm -hmm. uh, about a month and a half after I graduated. And the uh, everything. So was you graduated. You graduated. Like, you graduated unemployed. I graduated 100% unemployed. Got broke, it. Okay. <laughs> broken, yeah. unemployed. What's going on with yeah. visa issues too? How long do you have? Yeah, so I have about a year before like my visa situation can happen. Yeah, and so I needed to like get a job and like figure out, yeah. uh, you know what the next things are. Okay, a year start. a year is a and long so, time though. You had a full year, so it's not like pressing. Like you have to f figure it out too fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you graduate yeah. with a job, unemployed, yeah. broke. You're like, okay, what am I gonna do? So tell me, what was that like? Because I can imagine it's so, even harder now, because you don't have. Yeah, I know it is. It's, 
It is horror. And so, yeah, like it was really scary. And uh, uh, first of all, the the firm that I work with in, uh, in Virginia, like the consulting firm, those guys offered me a full-time uh, opportunity. Uh, and that happened, again, at the same time when I got another opportunity. Uh, and they were ready to sponsor me. And so that was good. Uh, they really liked me. It was a small shop. And, uh, you know, they, they thought, like, I would make a good fit. So that was the first thing that happened. The second thing that oh, happened... Oh, so you went, back to the place, before, you went back to the place you had an internship before? Yeah, like, I kept working to, there. You kept the working there. I graduated. There. When okay. I graduated... To, uh, just have some income. Yeah, like, I... Just have so, some income and stuff. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so right after I graduated, like, this job offer with e was almost happening. Then it didn't happen because um, they were hiring me as an experienced professional. But uh, you can't hire somebody as an experienced professional without them having six months of uh, gap between the time they graduated and the time they hired at the firm. And I guess that's, like, an industry standard thing. Weird. So okay. that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that. Okay. So it doesn't hire people yeah. straight out of mba programs all the time or the big four no they do but but that program is limited like i guess the deadlines are november or december uh, okay and whatever you know offers they roll out uh, that's that after that there are no more mba recruitments till got the it. time the next cycle comes then you're off cycle basically got it okay that and makes so, sense it's yeah. more like that's an internal it's, internal it's more an internal it's more an internal like structuring of when they burn when they're onboarding people and stuff like that right got it okay right right and so so yeah so that happened but in the same time, there was another small firm in Baltimore, and uh, uh, they gave me an offer uh, to come in as an associate. They said it's it's an analyst job, uh, but you know your title is an associate, mm -hmm. and uh, they got me on board, and I was really happy and excited that I had that opportunity. So I joined uh, that firm. And that was a that was so, a yeah, boutique so investment bank. I, I that was over there. That was a boutique. For the first three months, Sorry. and uh, you know, uh, I think. Some things were on me and some things were on them in that, like, when I joined the firm, I was excited. Uh, and keep in mind, Patrick, I still don't have any, like, finance knowledge. Like, you know, sure, I did my boot camps and such, but, like, literally, I don't know anything about anything. And so going in a bank, I think that's uh, something that I was like, all right, now I'm going in a bank and I learn all this stuff. And my target wasn't even banking. Like, I really wanted to get in banking, but, like, I was focusing more on consulting just from a strategic point of view for visa right. issues and all that good stuff. Right, as, right. As well as, like, my background, and that's where I thought, you know, it'd be easier for me to break in rather than invest in banking. Uh, but at the same time, the one thing that I knew that my uh, mentor from India told me that banking is where you should be. So and this so this was, was an actual investment bank? This was a bank? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a it's a small bank. It's like, like five what, people in over there. What kind of deals were they doing? Uh like five million, ten million dollar yeah, deals. Yeah, small, like, okay. smaller, like yeah, a little bit too. Okay. And yeah, um, and literally like there was just one more associate, uh, you know, who'd gone, uh, who who joined in right out of undergrad, and he didn't he did ecom uh, majors before, so. He was trying to explain to me what a DCF is, and he was clueless. Now that I think about it, I'm surprised that he spent like three years over there. Yeah. I don't know how. Uh, but like he was trying to explain DCF, and he was all over the place. He didn't know anything about anything, nor did I. Uh, but, um, you know, like that was that. And I think that experience was initially really good for me because I'm like, oh, my God, investment banking. I finally made it. I was making peanuts. Like they offered me uh, 50000 mm -hmm. which is like nothing. Uh, yeah. but I was just excited that like I have something right. and, uh, you know, I, I broke in essentially. And my goal was to work for two years and move on. And that's what they said, like, you know, work and get out. 
uh, yeah. after so, two years. Yeah. So, so it was a fifty thousand base. Any any sort of bonus, or did they say something? 20, did they say that up front, or yeah. did, was it a surprise when they gave it, it to you? It was in the contract. Yep. Okay. No, yeah, like they, they said like it's twenty thousand. Okay. Um. So yeah. So that was a, that was the structure. Mm-hmm. Um. There was like two partners. One partner retired from an, uh, another big bank, and uh, he came in. He was only a really nice guy, like who really understood, you know, like value people like treat people nicely uh and like everybody else just treated people really really poorly and like the culture was really bad like i felt bad even having lunch like i felt like oh my god like i shouldn't be eating lunch on my desk you know and like uh never saw the door open like i was sitting where the receptionist sits because they don't have one and they didn't have more space uh, and uh, what do you mean you yeah, couldn't eat lunch why, why did you feel like you couldn't eat lunch what do you mean by that I don't know, man. Like, uh, they just like look at you like so differently, and like the just they, like the conversations like in the companies. It's like, oh my god, yeah, I don't have time to even eat lunch today, and like everybody's just talking like that. By everybody, I mean the one other associate and like a seventy-year-old VP. I don't know how is he there, uh, but like, yeah, like the three of us. And <laughs> it sounds yeah, like and, uh, a little bit of the blind leading the blind, but okay. So the associates trying exactly. to train. So he is trying to train you, and he doesn't even know what a DC. He can't yeah. walk you through a DCF, and then the. Oh, yeah. oh, that's that's funny. Okay, so but then everyone's acting yeah, super it, busy it, and like, oh, I got all these pitches to do. It, so I assume most of your work was right. pitch work, and you weren't doing a ton of live deal work. Right. No, actually, there are seven live deals. Oh where, wow. Uh, you know the way live deals are defined is uh, uh, like cast a wide net and see like you know what you can get. And so I, I think like they just like hire like they go for anything that they can get their hands on. Right. And so that's that's how I spent uh, was the process over there, uh, which is good and bad for me because Patrick, I didn't know anything about in business school. They didn't teach you anything about presentations and like you know uh, uh, even Excel and all that stuff. Excel knowledge I had from before from my time at yeah. And I think uh, in India, and I was decent at that, but like I didn't really know financial modeling or anything else. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but like presentations, like I had no idea about. <laughs> yeah. But I think I did learn a lot. Uh, the one thing that I think was an advantage was the fact that I'm pretty diligent, and I feel like I can, you know, spot like the 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 uh, full stops and the whatever like punctuation mistakes and all that stuff. And being from another country where like English is a second language, I think you really understand grammar more. And so you know you're able to like see those things faster because when you're studying for the GMAT. Uh, I think unlike an American student, you know, where you understand the concept and the meaning behind it, yeah. uh, you know, Indian students are like, in my particular case for myself, I'd, I'd look for semantic mistakes or like any other kind of errors and that would help me uh, get an answer. So I think I had an eye for that and that's what I was trying to leverage at the forum. Does that make sense? It totally makes My mom's from Colombia and she has better okay. grammar than I do. So it makes total sense. English is her <laughs> second language. Okay. <laughs> She's a better writer and yeah, a better, better and has better, much better grammar. So yes, it makes a lot of sense. Right, right. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so that was that. Like obviously the partners used to shout at you like all the time. And like it was, it was really a big culture shock for me because I wasn't used to like, you know, coming from like even at the other consulting forum for my internship. Like people were like, human you know i'm not saying they were like nice or like you know taking you for like lunches and dinners every day but they were they treated you as human beings over here it was a complete sweatshop so they were screaming you were getting screamed at tell me tell me specific give me some give me an example like what was when did it get the worst sure yeah like um i think day one onwards like the before the interview like everybody's like nice and happy and everything the first day of your job as it is, it's intimidating. The, day, the, the way it started for me is I started seeing how much the partner was shouting at the other associate. Um, and, you know, like that guy used to grind. 
And I guess, like, because I came in the mix, and he was just right out of undergrad and worked there for three years. His title was a senior associate, and I was an associate, and he was only made senior associate when I joined in, mm-hmm. I guess for title purposes. Yeah. And they used to shout at him, like, a lot. Like, like I don't know, like, you know, how he took it, but and I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the guy, but I really felt bad for him. And so yeah. if that speaks volumes about, like, how the culture was. And so I felt like that's when... You know, when like somebody else is scolding somebody else, you automatically become scared of that person. Yeah, that's what was happening. Got it. So yeah, when did you first sense. get? So, when did you first get yelled at? I guess <laughs> during this stage. I guess like within a week. Like it didn't take long. Yeah. It's like you know. That's or tough. I asked you to do this. Like you know, there's why isn't this happening? Or like something. I can't even remember specifics. I guess, but I do remember just like really shitty atmosphere like really just bad but what but how many were you like, were you working hard like were you putting in long hours oh yeah i think i definitely was i think a part of the equation was also the fact that i didn't have like any finance experience uh, like you know financial modeling or whatever so it was a blind leading the blind situation and that was also more frustrating for everybody yeah um and yeah you know by the end of the day my partner did say you know um uh, like things weren't working out so he was just like you're a really hard working guy and i really appreciate that uh but it's it's just like you know you it's like for for he gave an example for himself he's like it's like for me i'm trying to learn chemistry and it's like that different so he said like maybe this field is not right field for you maybe you should go to consulting and all that good stuff but um yeah like i guess to answer your question um it, it just wasn't working out like and i wanted to be there even in that shitty atmosphere just so that i could spend enough time and learn and coach myself and train yeah and i think in the first like two months or something like he you know like we had that discussion where he was just like yep like uh you know i think it's getting tough and so basically start looking for and, a job start looking for a job basically is what he's telling you right right yeah, you're gonna get fired make things worse the, I'm sorry? You're gonna get fired, basically, is what he's telling. He's telling you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I actually wrote a post on uh, Wall Street Voices just around the same time because somebody else wrote something about being fired and all, and uh, they were sharing the experience. And I'm like, listen, it's better to get fired early on than later because all next things always work out for themselves. And I, I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, yeah, like that was happening. And to make things worse, the other associate, like you know, who was in the company for a long time, got another offer uh, with uh, another bank, like, uh, a, like a big bank. Uh-oh. Your work just doubled. Your work just doubled. I know. And so they were like, okay, like this is getting really tough. And so they ended up uh, hiring another guy. And yeah, like, I don't think I mentioned this. All of them were extremely like racist. Uh, obviously, like, you know, like extreme. Uh, politically, like on one side, like, like hardcore Republicans, they only go to like restaurants which like support uh, oh Republicans gosh. and such. And um, That's politically, like, like you know, I I don't really care. Like I just want to work. Yeah. And you know, be somewhere. Uh, so I didn't really give a damn about anything. But uh, they, uh, you know, always had that undertone. And I remember when they were hiring more people. Like uh, one one time, like you know, there was a Muslim guy who came in, and the VP made a comment. Uh, because they took him out for lunch and everything, and the VP made a comment to me, uh, uh, you know, oh, yeah, when he ordered this food, he was a good brother. Like, he didn't order that specific thing, and the way he looked, like, the waitress, and, like, stuff like that. I was just like, what the hell? Like, and you're like, what are you who, saying? Who are you? That's yeah. crazy. Like, what year uh, are we in, right? That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's that? What year are we in? It's almost like, what year are we in? Yeah, like I know, I know, I know. Thank you. Crazy, and yeah. That, and then I know another guy came from somewhere else, 
and I guess like uh, you know he wasn't very comfortable just like being in their office because that office just makes you look or feel like I guess bad of sort and uh, uh, you know the, the again the same VP guy like uh, who used to talk he made a comment he's like yeah I think he was a little too stiff like trying to indicate that he's gay and uh, uh, like this is so freaking crazy yeah. and then uh, you know I think the Me Too movement was happening at the time so like all the women candidates coming through I think they made like a passing uh, comment about that like uh, yeah know, it like, seems oh, yeah, like a like, toxic place in general <laughs> it just seems like a toxic yeah, place yeah I know right yeah that's it, it never is, good it's just super sad but but yeah, anyways so, so you know, what how did you how did you deal with that so the other guy left it sounds like to a bigger bank and you're yeah. left with the bag of with you know they wanted to fire you but yet now you have double the work yeah. so they're probably like hey we got to hold on to this <laughs> to you for a little bit longer yeah. so tell me how that play out yep well, I knew that they were like recruiting, like they were talking to other like candidates and other associates and such. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I knew that my time was going to come to over soon. And so I did, I mean, I was already reaching out to people on LinkedIn, trying to look for jobs and such, and then uh, trying to figure out if something works out for me. Um, I reached out to all the, I guess, investment banks in my vicinity in Baltimore and, um, and around. And then eventually I met this guy um, who was the CEO of a company and I guess he had also gotten fired recently or like there was a coup and they kicked him out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he had an investment bank in, uh, in, in uh, before and then he'd come to Baltimore for being the CEO of this company. And essentially, um, I, I, got, I linked up with him and I met with him and he had one sell side process that he had just started, or actually a buy side process that he just started off with. Mm-hmm. And he needed, uh, and he, he could use a helping hand. And so at my job, uh, I was now getting paid hourly instead of like a monthly salary. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I knew that my time was coming to an end. So then I made the natural switch from where I was uh, to this guy. To the hourly and, position, uh, um, just to just to get out of that toxic environment. You said, I'm just Right, no, jump. the toxic environment started paying me hourly. Oh, they of did. Monthly. Oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because, yeah. So that like that had happened, uh, and so yeah, I was now working for this guy as well as that guy, uh, or like both the people. Now this guy, the one-man shop, uh, seemed like a really great guy, good opportunity in that. Like at least it was good for me to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he asked me the first time when we met, he's like, okay, so you know, what do you want in your long term? And I was upfront with him. I'm like, well, I want to get some experience, and in about a year or two, I want to move to a more mature platform where I want to spend a significant part of my career. And, and grow and so it was like okay uh, and then I pretty much started working with him and I had a client in, in the Midwest so uh, you know uh, he flew me in with him uh, to the client and things just kicked off from there and I started working with him uh, I was and I, he didn't pay me anything it was zero and so uh, initial like I think month or two uh, it was nothing and then he started paying me like ten dollars an hour oh my gosh uh, and then he <laughs> And Where are you finding like these people? <laughs> Anyways, know, right? oh my right. gosh. Okay, so okay, so you're getting paid hourly part time at the at the uh, talk. I'll call it the toxic boutique, and then you're you're right. taking on this other kind of side project to try and kind of get out, but you're ending up pay, getting paid right. zero just to kind of be this guy's right. um, assistant, almost like a associate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but he's yeah. flying you yeah. out, whatever, showing the client that he has. It's more than just him. Okay. 
<laughs> right, and, right, exactly, exactly. That's what it is. Okay. And so, yeah, like, so I worked with him. Like, so in that transition phase, there was a phase, like a month when I think I didn't have anything, like any money flowing in from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, like, whatever little peanuts I had, like, I lived on that. Plus, like, you know, I asked my parents for some help. And then this guy uh, started, like, uh, you know, got, he got me on board. He said, like, $10 an hour or something like that. And then uh, he said that I'm keeping a track of the number of hours you're working. And because, you know, I really wanted to prove myself and really be great and all that stuff. And, and also because it was a, just a lot of work because it's just him and me. Mm-hmm. So right from like, you know, booking uh, flights to hotels to making the pitch decks and, you know, models and whatnot, I was doing everything. Yeah. Uh, and in a nutshell, every month he, he just paid me $1,000. And so like he paid me for like, I guess, 100 hours, whereas, you know, like I way more like i think 100 hours you you were working like 300 Uh, hours or 400 hours a month and he was right right jeez man you are you you know how to find these people huh you know how to find the the great bosses (laughs) patrick you know if you're really interested in something you want to do it where does the world no hey man hey look you're you're employed i guess i mean you're barely making rent probably but okay so you're um yeah you're you're surviving. You're you're working with this guy who's paying you a thousand dollars a month. Tell me tell me what was your thought process? Like, were you still just searching for another job? I assume during that. I was at the same time. Uh, you know, yeah. Like at the same time, this thing was maturing more. So you know, I was just like, all right, let me close this deal. And then he, there was a carrot at the end of the deal that you know he's, he's going to pay me like X amount of money. So I was like, all right, so that's something. Uh, but you know, like what I was the carrot? Like five thousand, ten thousand dollars, or something. Well, he said seventy thousand by the end of it, but I didn't. I didn't make it to that, so okay. <laughs> that was that. Uh, but you know, I think that's just, again the same thing, like big talk and like no payday yeah. of sorts. Uh, but like again, like the team at that time was just him and myself, and right. then the apartment building where I was, uh, there was a conference room, and I stayed in a really nice apartment building uh, uh, because when I graduated, I had this job, and you know, I just wanted to stay somewhere better and like not be shot when I'm walking in the night. So uh, yeah. he used to come to that apartment building. We used to work out of the conference room over there. Um, and then I would essentially keep working for like, in lieu of like three or four people that should have been working for this deal. Uh, and then uh, I think I really, so yeah, I started going out with him to the client side more often. Uh, we had a really strong private equity group, which was really great experience for me. Um, because initially we started on our buy side project, then we switched to a sell side and then uh, the buyers were a PE group based out of Chicago, so that was another great experience to interact with a legit PE group and like has you know like good like companies like big like UE firms and stuff come in the mix and uh, like RSM with the uh, you know QE uh, group and so yeah, quality of earnings QOV yeah you, you were seeing you were basically seeing all the diligence being done and you were getting. At setting least. up data rooms and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and like I never set up a data room before. I didn't know what that looks like, what that means, but I just pretended that you know I, I everything is familiar to me. So I didn't say yes or no about like have I done this or not before. I just didn't. And mm-hmm. uh, again, like I networked with somebody before uh, when I was in business school, and I met this person in a long time back who is the owner of a data room company. So I uh, I got his company at like two thousand bucks or like something really cheap, yeah. uh, which was great for the client, and everybody was impressed. And uh, I had his team like literally walk me through like what a data room is, how do you set it, and whatnot. And I and I learned it all. I did it all myself. Your and, network you know, bailed that, you out. Your that, network bailed you out. <laughs> you were hustling basically. I know, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. So it was it was interesting. I'm still in touch with that guy. Like great guy. Um, but anyway, so with with this guy, I started working. I started doing this entire deal. Uh, I learned all this, and in the same time, 
I started looking for interns from my school mm. uh, because I was still in Baltimore, so I could go back to my school and like ask for uh, uh, you know interns because a I, I wanted to give back to my school. I'm a big believer of that. Yeah. And b I also wanted help. And uh, my boss didn't want to pay anybody, so I was upfront about that. Uh, that listen, there's no payday over here, but it's a great experience and opportunity. And you know, you, as you would imagine, more people than not like you know came up and they were like, hey. Uh, I'd love for an opportunity. Surprisingly, I had more international students, like Indians and Chinese, than Americans come, which was really surprising because I would imagine that anybody want, who wants to break in banking would do that. Uh, you know, would want to come. But I guess you know, there's a big question about pay and all that, and I guess yeah. which makes sense. Uh, nobody yeah. wants to work for free. Um, anyway, so like I had some help, so I also got some first-hand experience in like managing resources because till now, you know, fairly young guy, I never really managed a team or anything of that sort myself. So learning great experience, and uh, we closed that deal. And you know, I went through the entire legal uh, diligence process. And and he he still didn't, but he didn't pay you. He still didn't pay you, or there was there was. He was paying me. No, uh, so he that sorry, I forgot to mention that kept increasing. And he started paying me like thousand dollars a month, and then I think it became like fifteen hundred a month, and then it became three thousand a month uh, by the end of the year. Okay, a little better. Um, So. Yeah. So a little better, yeah. yeah. Uh, like that, yeah. And so, so yeah, so that was the cycle that like he kept, and he and he realized very soon he realized that I'm doing like five people's jobs and more, and uh, he got me business cards and all that stuff, and he didn't say like associate or analyst or anything on my business card, and I asked him once why, he's like, the clients don't need to know who you are because I think to the clients, he's, you know, like he, nobody asked, but I think they all assumed that uh you know i'm a vp or something yeah the way that i was carrying out the entire deal and so <laughs> that kind of made sense and once i'd seen like there was a billing sheet where you know he had everybody's name uh for hourly billing for the client um and even the interns and all and he was just charging like a slobber and i'm like oh my god i can you know if you pay me like a fraction of this that'd be great yeah but uh so he finally started so you guys were billing the client like so it was almost like a consulting role it wasn't just deals it was uh, there there was a success you attached to it but very minimal yeah um but it was mostly like you know an hour i guess it was like uh uh, the success he was split in half and half half after closing and half before and before one was built uh by the hour of amount of time put in and stuff like that so something like that what was he what was he charging the client if you're if you're open to sharing that was it like 200 bucks an hour or something like that or uh, 300 something like that yeah it was yeah. something crazy yeah it okay. wasn't uh, it wasn't like i mean i guess not crazy for the investment banking world but like right. for a one-man shop without an office or anything it was <laughs> definitely uh, a lot so so yeah so that happened uh long story short like this guy uh was doing uh, this business i got a good experience the private equity guys really liked me I, I, not that I was looking for uh, uh, opportunity there, but Patrick, again, this is where uh, you know, LinkedIn helped me out. The managing director at the private equity shop who was buying the company that I was selling, mm-hmm. I was already connected with him during my business school days because I reached out to him for a phone chat. And he and I like remembered each other when we met. I'm like, that name sounds familiar. And I checked on my phone and my Excel sheet where I keep a tab <laughs> of everything. Yeah. And I'd spoken with him like two years back. So I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, XYZ, like, I spoke with you then. He's like, of course, yeah. Like, are you you were in Baltimore, you were in Hopkins, right? I'm like, yep. So he's like, oh yeah, of course. Uh, how are you? Look, so things kind of worked out for you. That's great. And that was that was really exciting for me, uh, you know, being pretty much a no one and uh, now uh, being kind of plugged in the yeah. The hey, industry, you're right? you're working your way in. <laughs> you're working your way in. So cool, and, man. Yeah, so, that, 
I'm happy to hear that he started paying right. you more because that a thousand dollars a month is scary. But three thousand, so like by the end, of, by yeah. within one year, you're getting about three thousand. But you had been working super long. It sounds like you're working eighty hours a week oh, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, like definitely like a crazy number of hours. And my the yeah. interns that I had, like they were just like surprised. They thought like they had like a good work ethic and all, which I think they did, and they were really great. Uh, but you know, they were like. The clients respect you. They like, and I feel good about myself, Patrick, because you know not only so in this entire time I was also taking like you know um, financial modeling classes, trying to like model more, learn more modeling, at the same time taking like uh, you know like those PowerPoint courses and stuff like that. And yeah. For yeah. the purposes of this podcast, let's just say that it was Wall Street Oasis <laughs> <laughs> uh, training session. Uh, but like no, I got whatever training material I could get online, and I bought some from like other places, and I was just learning as much as I could. That's awesome. Especially PowerPoint, like one of those courses was really great for me. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think that experience was really great. Um, and right after that, we didn't have anything going on. Uh, luckily for me, there was another small company that we were initially looking at buying for the company that we sold, yep. and we ended up selling that company to the private equity group again. And so I got a chance to like sell another company to the same PE group and pretty much go through the same process. And so they already knew me and uh, they, I, I guess I did like create like a respect for myself in there, in that, yep. uh, you know, like really uh, worked hard. I, I think that was just the underlying factor. Like I, I don't think I'm, I'm smart or this or that. I just think I'm a very hardworking guy. And even from your other podcasts and stuff that I've heard, Patrick, I think that's the underlying tone I've heard and seen everywhere, extremely hardworking, and, and, and I don't give up. And so, uh, so yeah, so anyway, so like this deal closed, the other deal closed, uh, he said he's gonna give me like 30,000. For, for the first deal, he said he's gonna give, give me 70,000, and he paid me 25, Okay. which is a big deal because uh, I didn't really have anything, and I think he realized that he really needed me because he didn't have anybody else. Yeah. And uh, also at the same time, he'd moved why don't, to Florida. Why didn't, he so, pay, why didn't he pay you 70 like he said he would? Do you think it was just he like, oh, just didn't. he just didn't. Okay. Yeah. Did I he mean, say anything when he paid yeah, you the 20, I mean, 25? Did he say anything? No. So like, so that's a good question. So like he's changed his rhetoric during the uh, coming months. Initially he started off with 70 and then it was just like, oh yeah, like, you know, by the end of the year, you'll be making $125,000. And then it just switched to, but this deal says you'll get like $30,000. And then like, uh, you know, it, it was all over the place. It wasn't like a yeah. one static number, yeah. but I do remember like, because he used to send me like checks. So in one of the uh, mails he'd written like, you've been working really hard and I want you to know you're a great guy and all that stuff. And uh, that means he was kind of good that he recognized my efforts initially. But, uh, and then he said like, you know, you're going to get like this much for this deal. Um, and then by the end of the day, the number changed. So that was kind of shitty, but I was just happy that I had something. You got something. Yeah. And, At least you uh, got something. Right. You got a right. taste. And then so. he said for the okay. second deal, Right. He's, for the second deal, he said that he's going to pay me uh, 30000 And the second deal, when we closed, he gave me 5000 And that's the time I asked him. And he's like, but I've been doing all the work. I've been doing everything. I made the pitch text. I made he says the that, which is not true. And yeah, oh, he, I mean, gosh. he still says that till day. So I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> not true, but okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so that happened. Like, I mean, I, I say like, you know, in this industry, people do recognize the fact that there's a great opportunity for hardworking people. And so, uh, you know, they realize that you, you want this more than they want you, even though it might not be true, because I think they really do want people like, you know, you and I, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's just a game like where you think you can leverage somebody. Uh, so, so yeah, so that happened. 
uh, I think at that point in time, he started paying me like 5,000, uh, I guess. Towards still, the that's the equivalent of a $60,000 $60, salary, but okay. Yeah, you're, still, you're supposed yeah. to, you're running the yeah. whole deal, but it's, it's crazy to me, but okay, continue. <laughs> right. Right, and it's all very sporadic, mind you. Like, it's not like you know, it's going to be like the same cost. Like, he, it, there would be an effort to do that, but you know, it's not guaranteed that like you will right. get that. Maybe it's more than even five thousand dollars. Maybe it was just like four thousand or three thirty-five hundred, something like that. Okay. I think five thousand became to the gradual end. But anyway, uh, so that happened, and then we closed the second deal, which was great. Uh, but also, like, I think what is very important part of this entire conversation, I interviewed with. I want to say almost like eight or nine other big banks. Uh, by big, I mean like, you know, like Lazard and like Baird and, you know, JNP and like uh, Jeffries and all these uh, really nice banks. Uh, crushed it during the phone call interviews and such uh, and uh, made it to the final round. And I'm, when I say like interviewed, I mean like interviewed, I made it to the Super Day. And for some reason or the other, ever since the beginning, it never worked out. And I always kept note of why it didn't work out. More often than not, I would say like two out of 10 times, I'd get feedback. So I'd really like, you know, value that feedback. And initially it was because I hadn't closed any deals and I didn't have any deal experience. Right. Then it became more about like my technical skills weren't on point, et cetera. And I knew that my technical skills weren't on point. So I really started like working hard and like, you know, grilling on, on that aspect. And I remember my last interview was, was, was with Piper Jaffrey and really excited about it. I think every, everything went great and they really liked me, but I got dinged and the MD uh, got on a call with me uh, for feedback and he said yeah you know like I think uh, the, the technicals were a little uh, uh, questionable because our analysts took that thing and I think that didn't give us comfort and then you know you said that your uh, presentation skills were really great uh, but it didn't really match up when we were like looking at it um, uh, when, we, when we gave you that uh, test product, whichever, whatever they had given it to me. Right. And I think the lesson that I learned from there is I always used to overpitch myself or not even overpitch. I'm a very confident guy. So, you know, sometimes when I think when I say something, it, it has it has a greater you learn to you learn to, you learn to undersell a little bit more up front and be a little more humble right. up front right. so that, you know, you, they don't have you don't set the bar too high for yourself and then exactly. come in under expectations. Yeah, it's an important lesson. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's an important right. lesson. Yeah, and you know, I, and I thought like, hey, I did this course, I know how to like align boxes, like, uh, you know, horizontally and vertically, so I know like presentation, and you know, I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I just learned it the hard way, but the good news is that like, you know, I never ever gave up. And in this entire transition period, after the second deal closed, my boss asked me to move to uh, because that's where he'd moved, and it was a hard move for me because, you know, I really, nothing else going on. I don't even know if he's going to give me my next month's salary or not right. or what's going on, but I did make the transition to wow. uh, I lived in a shoebox because I knew that I didn't want to be there for long term. So literally a shoebox. Like, <laughs> I think my apartment was maybe like 300. No, no, it's oh my gosh. Too much. Maybe like uh, 150 square or like feet. maybe 200 square foot or something. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. like really small. Like I'm a six, I mean, I, I'm a really tall guy. Yeah. Uh, really tall guy. And if I stretch my arms, I could touch both sides of the wall. Like that small. <laughs> and it was it was a furnished apartment, so I liked that. Like there was a small bed and all that stuff. Yeah. And that kind of gave me more motivation to like get the hell out of there. You know, it, it yeah. was just like do your thing, like learn more. And so there was a public library, like a uh, not a public, like a university library somewhere close by to my place. Yeah. Uh, I used to go there in the evening after work and study and do questions for interviews and such. And so every day like I'd work like from 8.30 to 9 o'clock 
or like not in the nine, not nine o'clock, like from eight thirty to eight thirty, yeah, and uh, uh, nine o'clock or nine thirty to like eleven thirty, I'd go and like study. Jeez, and uh, I really man. like, you know, like, and, and at this point in time, you know, I wasn't studying like everything. I was more focused towards the questions that I've been asked in interviews before, yeah, and how that has gone and been, and so I was more focused. So now I, I interviewed with, uh, and I, my pronunciation is off, but with Calvin. C-O-W-E yep. in, in New York. Yeah, no and uh, yeah, so with the industrials group and all that, went really great. I, I got a referral again through the deal room guy that I mentioned. Uh, the guy like who gave us the deal uh, room the, guy. The, yeah, the, the deal room guy gave, gave you yeah. good the deal. He got you this interview. <laughs> uh, he connected me with an associate at Calvin. Yeah. And that associate passed my resume to the HR, and that's how you know they scheduled phone calls, and I, I got that interview in New York, and they flew me in over there. So. <laughs> That was that story. So, went there for my interview. I, I did like really well, and I didn't get the job. They put me on uh, on a hold or like I guess on standby, I guess, and they yeah. give it to somebody else. But I did really well, and the guy like who was taking my technicals, like he asked me some questions, which was so basic to me by that point in time. And he's like, oh, so that's really good that you know, like, you know, oh, inventory does not really get uh, matched on the income statement. Not a lot of people get that right. Like, so I remember that specific statement that he made, and uh, he said you did, you did really well. And so I was really just happy. I, I, I mean, sure, like I didn't get the job, so it was kind of a bummer. But I was just so happy that I was nailing my. Uh, my you, yeah, you knew you, you were. You knew you were better. Job. You knew you were better at that point. You had put right. in the work. Yeah, right. It makes sense. Right, and then you know the associate who'd like. Uh, who linked me in like he sent me an email he's like hey i spoke with the hr i got a feedback and they said like you have a big passion for investment banking and your technical skills are really strong it's just that they found somebody else better or like more suitable for this position based out of new york or something so yep. i think location was also a big part of the entire situation and now i am in Florida. we don't have any deals going on we have this pseudo like buy side deal that we're working on but pay is a big question yeah we, we don't know how much are we going to get paid and all that stuff by this point in time, you know, we do have an office space and all that stuff happening, but it's not like, you know, you have access to capital IQ or PitchBook. It's pretty much, you know, you learn whatever you learn yourself. Right. And so, so that was interesting. Um, and, you know, like when did you decide? I mean, at this point, I mean, are you th when you think, are you going to pull the plug or are you just going to keep kind of working for this guy, getting what you can while you just keep interviewing? Was that the, the idea? Yeah, that's, that's exactly the idea. Like yeah. keep, keep getting like whatever peanuts you're getting yeah. uh, so you can like float yeah. and really fucking, uh, pardon my French, but like really work hard and like, you know, uh, nail it and like get a job and like have that as a motivation. And so I didn't mention this, but, <clears throat> uh, you know, in my personal life also, like I was seeing somebody and like, you know, we kind of like broke up and stuff like that. And so I had a therapist that I talked to on the phone, super cheap. It's not like, you know, I get a therapist <laughs> or whatever, like 30 bucks a session or something. Because, yeah. You know, uh, I, yeah, I hear you. God, like, and so she really like pushed me hard, and like so uh, that was a big influence uh, for myself. And I Good. can't, uh, you know, and being an Indian guy from India, you know, like uh, having a therapist is such a big taboo and like such a big thing. No, to it. but good I for you. Like as a good banker, or yeah. anybody in life, you you should like have somebody that you can have honest, open conversations with. But so she used to really like guide me and mold me, and like I used to be honest with her about like what works and what doesn't, and you know, I still talk to her till date uh, once a week. And it really does help me a lot. So for sure. Um, but yeah, like in like I thought like you know I'll keep working till the time um, things like don't improve. But like I'm not just waiting for things to improve. I'm working hard towards getting that. And then just meanwhile, you know, my parents are also like trying to be helpful towards me. They're like, hey son, 
you know, if you think that investment banking isn't like making it, why don't you look at other opportunities or like, you know, we're there for you and, right. and all that good stuff. And I was just like, thank you, but no, thank you. That was hard for me. You know, like uh, this girl that I was seeing, like I really loved her and like, you know, she said, hey, maybe it's not your thing. And then like once my parents said that, like, or my mom said that, it, you know, it, it didn't like hurt or whatever. It was just like, you know, you think that those people will have confidence in you no matter what happens, right? Right. And they're saying this with the best intentions and with all the love in the world. But uh, that was something that just made me question myself. And, you know, that was... Because you're so That's close to the people, point. yeah, they're the people like most close to you. You want, you think they're going to keep pushing you, and but they probably just saw how you were hurting and you were struggling, and they probably just wanted to maybe, yeah, help you find something. You know, be what there mean? for me. Yeah, and right, so they were trying right, to kind of push you in a different direction because you had, at this point, you had struck out like nine times, if, if I'm counting right, yeah, <laughs> or, more. <laughs> or more. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's it's not necessarily misguided, but um, so okay, so yeah, give me some, right. give me, but you know. Hey, you were hanging, you were hanging around, you were still getting, you were still surviving, yeah. paying for food, um, you know, and right, right. living in and a shoebox and making the sacrifices is, you needed to make to, to stay afloat. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So tell me how did it, right. what happened when you, you know, before we wrap up, I just want to hear like what happened at the end, like what, what happened in that okay. final transition and, um, how did you finally do it? Final transition with this job, uh, you know, they invited me, uh, to New York. I flew in there, met the partner, met the team, crushed the technicals, crushed everything, like really did well, came back. And at this point in time, I'm so used to just like talking to people and, you know, like getting feedback. Hey, we really liked you and we really enjoyed speaking with you. Unfortunately, you know, I don't think this is the right fit. So the vice president of the group, uh, asked me if I can talk to him, and uh, you know, I stepped out of my office, went down to the parking lot, and um, I, I called him up, and he's just like, "Hey, by the way, we really enjoyed speaking with you, and uh, we we think your skill sets are really impressive." And you know, and I'm quiet because yeah. I'm like, "Okay, now he's going to be like, but but we, uh, but yeah. we found something. exactly right." So, uh, he kept saying all this good stuff, and then towards the end, he says. Uh, and uh, we would want to extend the offer to you. So I would want to be, the, I wanted the first one to say that to you. And then he was still quiet and like, I was quiet and he's like, because I was waiting for him to like complete his sentence and I was hysterical <laughs> and he was just like, and I just wanted to see your reaction and, and your thoughts on that. <laughs> I was just like, I, I had tears in my eyes. Like, I won't lie. And like, uh, I was like, you know, like, thank you so much. Like, I can't begin to tell you like, you know, how happy I am and I'm very excited about the opportunity and I, I think I just try to keep myself like composed, also yeah. show my excitement, but like not, not be like breaking down on the phone, <laughs> not right, breaking down right. like yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So cool. so yeah, so that happened, and you know the rest is history. I'm like working super hard now, like you know trying to give it my best, and uh, really grateful to God for where I am. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, it's a really inspirational story. I think it's it's one of perseverance and a lot of sacrifice, and something that. I think is it, it is a theme that runs throughout all the podcasts and it's something that it hopefully the listeners kind of take to heart that it's it's not all glamour a lot of if, if you want to make it yep. you got to grind sometimes and you got to be willing to make the sacrifice a lot of people say they are but here you are you actually you you did it and you worked for years years yeah. <laughs> in very bad in in to be honest very tough one toxic environment one just very tough situation where you at least were getting good experience though and i think that's that's something to take home as well um Cool. Yeah. So anything else you want to share with the listeners before we call it? 
Uh, no, I think like, you know, honestly, uh, WSO has been great. Like, I'm not saying that because Patrick and I am doing this podcast or whatever. I definitely, you know, I've really relied on it a lot of times to just like read about interviews whenever I'm applying to any other place or I've got anything else going on. And I think, uh, and everybody almost says the same thing. Don't give up. If you're there, if you're struggling, you know, seek mentorship, like look for people to talk to. Do not give up. Like if you can have the drive to get a job, you will get it. There's nothing in the world that's going to stop you from getting that job. That's great, man. Let's end on that. I love it. Thank you so much for joining. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. And until next time. 